Saint Therese's father, Louis, was a saint in his own right and an accomplished businessman. We're going to look into how he handled money today on the WalletWin Podcast. Welcome to the WalletWin Podcast. Each week, we take a look at a different piece of the personal finance puzzle. I'm Jonathan Texera. And I'm Amanda Texera. We're your guides on your journey to getting out of debt, building wealth, and changing the world through generosity. Here we go. I am excited to dive into this week's episode. Jonathan and I, over the last several months, we've been reading a book called The Father of the Little Flower. It is written by Celine Martin, which was one of St. Louis and Zelie's uh, daughters and this one of the sisters of St. Therese of Lisieux. And it's just a delight of a little book um, as we get to know this saint. Yeah. All the more. It's not so much, and it says this in the beginning too, but it's not so much of a an autobiography of his life, but in some ways a moral biography of mm. him. It's just a look at him uh, as a father, primarily, uh, as, as a, just as a man in the world, as a businessman. That's a bit of what we're going to be looking at here today. Uh, but it's an incredible book. I definitely recommend reading it if you get a chance. Yes, and why we're we're going to be doing um a variety of these episodes in our Catholicism and Money series where we look at how different saints interacted with uh, and were called to handle money differently with still the same virtues as the underlying current in their life, mm-hmm. but it showed differently based on what God asked of them. Uh, so we're going to hear in this series about saints who God entrusted with much and then they handled that amazingly and it was able to create such an impact in our world some where it was just a medium amount and they were able to live their vocation and still be as generous as they could others who were called to give it all away and to essentially rely on divine providence completely and uh these are all different ways that God might call you to interact with money. And I think it's fun to just look at the different lives of the saints that Mm -hmm. are out there so that we can almost see a reflection of where we feel our calling is in their lives as well. And just to realize that, you know, Catholicism is a very large umbrella. The way God is going to work and move and breathe in all of our lives is going to be so unique and very different from one another. There's no cookie cutter um, per type of person on the the road to sanctification. I mean, really, just look at the mm-hmm. lives of the saints. They're so different. Every temperament possible. Yeah. Uh, you know, one type of personality does not have the foothold on sanctity. Yeah, I, I, was, I was talking <laughs> with somebody, uh, a friend. I forget where this idea came from, where they had heard it or read it, but the idea is that... In creating us, in humanity, each one of us, God is revealing a little piece of himself. And all of us, like each one of us only has a little bit, reveals, you know, one little aspect of who he is. And so then by by knowing more about other people, by meeting other people, we get a actually a better sense of who he is. Mm-hmm. And so by, you know, each of us are called to something definitely, you know, different and unique though can be similar to uh, to those who have come before us. And so when we look to the saints, it's not this one perfect example of who we need to be, but uh, an, a, 
piece of inspiration. Mm -hmm. And maybe we take a, a bit from this guy, a bit from this lady, one over here, and mix it all up with the grace that's uh, active in our own lives. Mm -hmm. So I want to hear what yes. we can so learn from Louis today. How we're going to go over this is I'm going to read, I think it's um, a page or two. And the, the section is called Work and Disinterestedness. I think I got that, that word right. Um, and you're going to hear just about um, how St. Louis interacted with money. So it's uh, two pages that I'm going to read. And then Jonathan and I are going to go back because there are a lot of gold nuggets in here that I want to discuss and I want to talk through. Um, yeah. So without further ado, here we go. The life of our parents was simple, economical, without avarice, and hardworking in order to supply the demands of their many children, to whom they sought to give, above all, a solid Christian education. What sacrifices they imposed upon themselves for this end. My mother had a very active temperament. She was always busy. Her household duties, in addition to the overseeing of her lace-making enterprise, absorbed her sometimes even to excess. Father helped her in every way he could, but she was astonished at his success in business matters. When he saw her overtiring herself beyond measure, he insisted that she should take on more workers, and even went so far as to suggest that she might be obliged to give the whole undertaking, give up the whole undertaking. But when anyone tried to moderate her zeal, either concerning the work or her cares as a mother, she would not easily listen to reason. Papa was often obliged to let her go ahead. However, to be able to give up more of his time to her lace-making enterprise and to lighten her work of correspondence, he sold out his own jewelry shop. Having great artistic taste himself, he could thus more effectively help her and he transferred to his own name the manufacture of the famous Pont de l'Alacon lace. When the practical judgment, with the practical judgment which characterized him, he was thorough in everything he undertook or considered his duty. So also he was very severe in regard to any sign of negligence or carelessness. As a result, he made an excellent businessman, yet with great detachment and without seeking to amass a fortune. I can see in my mind yet the place on the street where he said to me one day, I feel that I could easily acquire a taste for investing, but I do not want to be carried away by that current. It is such a dangerous incline and leads to speculating. Consequently, he devoted to his investments only the care which was strictly necessary. Cast thy cares upon the Lord, as the sacred writers recommend. And the Lord was faithful to him. Here is an example. His lawyer had proposed to him a financial transaction which seemed very advantageous and was going with him to Bordeaux, where the deal was going to take place. But on the very morning of the departure, my father, for no reason at all, had some kind of a sprain. He saw this as an indication of providence, and in spite of the insistence of the lawyer, who was then rapping at the front door, my father refused to set out on the journey. A short time afterwards, the whole enterprise collapsed. That is why, having learned from experience, his confidence in God enabled him to visualize with serenity 
the possible loss of all his money. Therese relates in one of her letters how he used to say jokingly, this is what we'll do when we become bankrupt. (laughs) (laughs) He often used to quote to us with conviction the passage of the imitation. Man's happiness consists not in having abundance of temporal goods, but a moderate portion is sufficient for him. His disinterestedness was pointed out by my mother in regard to a sum of money in an estate which a contractor claimed without sufficient proof. She wrote to her brother, Isidore, who was also entangled in the affair. To be sure, we paid it as well as the interest on the sum which had not been paid for eight years. My husband said to me, I do not want Isidore to pay his share, for he has always been so kind to you. I just mention it to show you how good Louis is. My parents were always extremely happy in this mutual family assistance. My mother writes to her sister-in-law. My husband has decided to sell out a part of his credit foncier stocks at a loss of 1,300 francs. If my brother needs any money at present, let him ask for it immediately. Owing to their hard work, we were financially in easy circumstances, but they did not seek gain for its own sake. At Mama's death, Father gave up all lucrative occupation and devoted himself entirely to his children. Besides, he could not continue to manufacture of the Pointe d'Alencon lace, which required a woman to oversee it. However, at Lisieux, he did not lead an idle life, quite the contrary. He divided his time between intellectual work, household occupations, the administration of his property, devotional exercises, and our education. Woo! All right, there's more, but my goodness. What a man. There's so much there, and I feel like I, I was laughing often <laughs> <laughs> just because. Um, and this is what it'll be like when we're bankrupt, honey. <laughs> I, you know, I see similar things that we've had going on in our own relationship. Um, just, yeah. I think that I would probably relate more with uh, Louis as far as kind of that business sense. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, you know, you're the one who's the creative genius and kind of all over the place and you've always got ideas and you're going all over. So it's just, it's fun to kind of see ourselves in here. But I also relate to Zelly with that stubbornness. I like how she said, uh, what was it? Like, very nicely said, <laughs> Uh, you know, sometimes dad, dad had to relent and let mom have her way. <laughs> Papa was often obliged to let her go ahead. <laughs> We've had that probably more often than, than not. Papa would hey, she became obliged. a saint too. <laughs> but the, uh, the good taste I see that you have too. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's fun to see kind of some of those qualities there and how it shaped out for them. Yeah. Shaped up. So I want to look back at, um, let's talk about the spot where, what was it? He, I mean, it's just this disinterestedness. Let's just start mm. there. Oh my, that was, I mean, that, that's I, probably it, the peak of this whole they thing. They bring it through the whole thing. But I, I mean, even, you know, he's like, hey, um, I'll, you know, I'll, I'll sell my, my jewelry shop and come help you with this. Like, all right. She wasn't, wasn't a big deal. He she wasn't, wasn't going to listen. She wasn't going to listen to him and hire more. So he, 
<laughs> you had to make sure there was at least one more employee. Yeah. He had to do something. Uh, but then there's, yeah, that, that idea of, um, you know, he trusted so much in providence and he learned from experience that God would take care of him. He was able to visualize with serenity the possible loss of all of his money. Now, let's stop and talk there for a minute. I think that it is vitally important for all of us to reflect on this. Um, I'm, I'm being serious. To go to the chapel, sit in front of the Blessed Sacrament, and honestly, honestly consider if we lost everything mm. and how it, imagine that being your reality. Because I think that oftentimes when everything's going well in our life mm -hmm. and there's really no lack, it's easy to be virtuous. It's easy to, yeah, just to feel like every, you know, hashtag blessed. <laughs> there's no reveal, uh, trials reveal our virtue or the mm -hmm. lack of our virtue uh, more often, unfortunately. And so I think that it is our obligation to make sure that we're actually building the house on a solid foundation, the solid foundation, not the house on sand, the house on sand and AKA not a life built on virtue. As soon as a cross comes, whoosh, that thing is washed away. There's nothing mm -hmm. left. And so I think that money is one of those things where most of us have never actually really gone without, especially if you're in the United States of America, um, Canada, you're in, you're in some of the wealthier countries. Uh, have you really ever experienced complete lack or just having nothing? Probably not. And so I think it's an honest reflection that we need to do. Um, and as St. Paul said in scripture, I've learned to be content with abundance, and I've learned to be content with nothing. Mm -hmm. It's this holy disinterestedness that really, at the root of it, what allows somebody to even get to that point, John? God's grace. <laughs> uh, I, I and, and this, this holy disinterestedness that you bring up, I think it's important to acknowledge Saint Ignatius, uh, and it's, I'm sure it's, it's, it's the what his first principle. Is that what it is? The first, I forget. It's always brought up every time uh, I've been on a silent retreat. Is like, don't forget this, guys. Um, I think it's the first, I don't know, first in whatever principle, but it is we should be totally disinterested in everything except that it may help our salvation. So it doesn't matter what kind of house I might have. It doesn't, it doesn't matter the clothes I wear or the computer I have or the job that I do. I should only be interested into the, in, to the, um, into the detail of, does this help get me closer to God? And, or mm -hmm. conversely, does, is, is this taking me further away from him? Yes. And so I need to get rid of those things that take me further away and try to do more of the things that bring me closer. And mm -hmm. so when you, that's, you're just disinterested from the world. Yep. It doesn't really matter as long as that most important thing, my relationship with God, my salvation is being taken care of. And so Absolutely. I, by, and I, by meditating on that, by asking God for the grace to, to desire that mm -hmm. is I think how somebody gets there. 
Yeah, and you know, somebody could mishear that and be like, well, I guess what are you saying? A crust mm. of bread and a cardboard box? No. Um, I've heard it said in another book, and this is another conversation, but mm -hmm. that our worldly goods, kind of our temporal, you know, things that are here that are passing, they're designed to help create maximum fruitfulness in our life. And so if we're called to be disciples in the world, our temporal mm. goods should free us up for maximum fruitfulness for what we're called to in our vocation. So our body's mm. going to need fuel. Our body's going to need rest. We're going to need some holy leisure. We're, you know, these things are good, but only to the degree that they support maximum fruitfulness. Sometimes I might need a clean house and I need help doing it. Sometimes my muscles might need a massage for maximum fruitfulness, but where's the line? Mm -hmm. Always ready mm -hmm. to draw the line with this holy disinterestedness of, nope, this is actually not now maximum fruitfulness. It's taking me away from maximum fruitfulness. I'm overindulging. Mm -hmm. So You say maximum anyway. fruitfulness. That may, We've talked just on our own about this before, but just now I got this, this, this idea of like, you know, maybe because it's about time to get started in the garden. But I'm thinking about uh, a plant or a tree or whatever it is, and for it to experience maximum fruitfulness, mm. it needs to be watered, maybe some fertilizer, the right amount of sun, the right temperatures, all that, mm -hmm. right? Now, it will live if you just water the thing and maybe, you know, maybe forget sometimes. Like, it'll still live, but it's not going to produce as much fruit. Yeah. It's also going to need some pruning. Yeah. And so, I mean, it just blown me up. And if you water it too much, <laughs> it's going to get sick. If you put too much fertilizer on, you know, you could burn out the roots. Mm -hmm. And so it, it's this it's this balance Constant of getting enough. And if you don't, if you if you go without some of that, it's going to be fine. It'll still grow. It'll still produce some fruit. But by taking care of it just the right ways, in the right amount, the right time, maximum fruitfulness. Absolutely. So let's go back to this um, this concept, though, of reflecting on losing it all. Um, you know, we often will kind of discuss, you know, I, I'll, I have a line where I'm like, if you can't have fun in a cardboard box, you're not going to have as much fun as you possibly could at Walt Disney World. Mm -hmm. And I think it's this underlying concept here of this contentedness. And really not looking to external things to give you worth or value or happiness. That is something that comes from within. And for a Christian, it's from it flows forth from our identity in Jesus Christ and the gift of our, our salvation. And it's something that can literally never be taken away, ever. Mm -hmm. I mean, you even see saints, um, St. Maximilian Kolbe, he died in a concentration camp, you know, under Nazi regime but he was still joyful and mm -hmm. living his vocation some would say what the heck is going on there but <laughs> he had something that even the nazis could not take away from him and no matter what happens to any of us in our life hey you know i don't want this to happen but my whole family could be taken tomorrow my house could burn down something could happen the government who know, who knows i could be robbed all my assets, mm -hmm. all my money taken away from me. Am I still able to, am I okay? Mm. And, you know, there probably need to be a degree of counseling and therapy in there. 
because <laughs> that's certainly a massive amount of trauma. Especially so yes, in a day, yes. so help, help, help to kind of take care of the psychological needs that I would have from that type of a trauma. But if I look, if I take an eternal lens and I look through that, I haven't lost my salvation. Mm-hmm. I have not lost what is eternally important. And if I'm, you know, then I'm able to even have joy thinking about meeting my family again mm-hmm. one day. That's not the answer is just, oh, you know, that's not a placating answer to just kind of shut down feelings. But through an eternal lens, I'm hopeful and I wait with joy. Yeah. And I have not lost anything. And so I think reflecting on that regularly is really important because it's easy. You know, I've in, in the last few years, we we started our own business. We went out on our own. There was no a guaranteed income. There It was only what, you know, God provided for us. Mm-hmm. And I had times when I would get kind of spun out or in a tizzy or frustrated that maybe things weren't progressing the way I wanted them to, or God wasn't providing at the level that I desired him to. You know, I was the widow banging on the door, you know, asking for a little bit more. Um, But it was always just enough. And then truly at the end of the day, I had everything that I really did need. And many times the Lord would call me back to this disinterestedness of, do I have the most important? I do. And that in time, he'll provide the rest. Mm -hmm. So I look to St. Louis and I'm just, I have so much respect um, for that. And then taking it a step further, the sense of humor. I adore saints who have a sense of humor. I think this is why I love St. Teresa of Avila so much uh, because she was, I feel like she was a comic in addition to being, you know, (laughs) a a contemplative. Um, But Therese joking like, hey, this is what we're going to do when we're bankrupt. (laughs) And how, you know... I don't think that was scarring for his kids, but it was just funny. They all knew they had plenty. They had money, yeah. But just this ability to kind of joke about it almost instilled in his girls then this disinterestedness and this detachment from money being this thing that would control them. Hmm. And then they all took vows of poverty and entered religious life. (laughs) (laughs) So it was very interesting. I wonder how that example shaped Hmm them he wasn't afraid of poverty he wasn't afraid of nothing mm-hmm. and so then they waltz right into that in their vocations yeah all right do you want me to pull out another nugget well i uh, what i want to think about is so it talks kind of near the beginning it says uh you know their their top priority was mm. the the christian education of their children the well-being of their family later it talks about you know they're in business but not looking for for gain can I, hey we could do these investments but i mean that's just i don't know that could be a runaway train for me so no thanks and then even I you know I, walks away from his business uh to, to, to help his wife it's all one idea here oh it is yeah i'm seeing three ideas and then <laughs> uh, here's a fourth and then when his wife dies uh kind of moves on from that business because the most is not grasping onto these things that we had or that we have to kind of hold on to normalcy but to always be looking to what is the most important thing Mm. which was the care and raising up in the faith of of our family of our children 
And so in every spot there, that was the most important thing. And I, I can imagine just the, um, just how well, uh, you know, they took care of their employees, of their customers. Uh, I know somewhere else in the book, uh, it talks about how when he had the, the watch and jewelry shop, he, it was closed on Sundays. And that was the, the big day of shopping because people would come into town for mass mm. and then do their shopping while they're there. And all these people are like, hey, man, you should probably open that shop on Sunday. Uh, and he's like, no, I don't know. That's just not what we do. And then you could, I mean, you got, you've got that door on the side. You could just have them come in there make, by appointment. Nobody, you know, it would look like you're closed. Mm. You wouldn't have to, you know. He's like, nope, that is definitely not what we're going to do. <laughs> and just kept it because he knew that's an important day. That's the day that we go to mass. That's the day we worship. That's the day we spend with our family. We're not working on that day. Mm-hmm. Um, and so the right things were in the right place in their life. Absolutely. Okay, so you were you were pulling that idea through those different things. Mm-hmm. I want to stop and talk about some of those different things. Okay. If you're good with that. This could be like a whole podcast series, just this two pages. I know. They're so good. Um, okay. The the one I want to talk about is the investments. Ooh. Where he talked about, um, I feel that I could easily acquire a taste for investing, but I do not want to be carried away by that current. Um, that is what I'd like to chat about. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. And then this line. Consequently, he devoted to his investments only the care which was strictly necessary. Uh, I want to dive into this because, one, it shows that he was investing. He had investments. He had a lot of different things that mm-hmm. he was involved in. And then ultimately, those allowed him later on, after his wife passed away, mm-hmm. to not have to... It This referred to it as um, lucrative occupation, a yeah. paying job. Mm-hmm. But he mm-hmm. had investments. Yeah. Uh, you know, today's... Today's culture would call that passive income. <laughs> <laughs> and you see at least just two examples, right? He had, at one point, you know, he sold some some stock that he had. Mm-hmm. And then he was meeting with, uh, I mean, he had a lawyer, right? He's meeting with his lawyer uh, about some other opportunity. So I imagine that was probably a thing they, that happened regularly or mm-hmm. more than that one time where right. it didn't work out. Uh, so there was definitely, yeah, some investing going on. Yeah, so he was doing it, but he only devoted what was strictly necessary to it. And I I can relate to this feeling. Mm-hmm. I can be a runaway train. I get absorbed in an idea. And Jonathan and I have often talked, you know, uh, if I didn't, um, like, if I wasn't married with kids and, you know, had the Catholic convictions that I do, there's a very real chance I would either, one, have gone so deep into like the settlers of Catan that I'd be at the the national tournament <laughs> trying to win money, <laughs> you know, because I just go so deep into things. Um, or there's just a chance that I, you know, would have gone so deep into um, different financial strategies that are out there. Oh, that's going to go yep, down. Maybe just, okay. Um, just the temptation for me is always to see it through to the end, to become the expert at this. But then in the mm. world of investing, it could it, that could take you a thousand different ways and you could become entangled in a hundred different webs. 
And there's speculation all over the place. And that's not how I would want to spend my life, but that's how a lot of people spend their life. Are you trying to tell me that if Louis Martin was alive today, he wouldn't be constantly checking Robin Hood and trading on margin? No. Absolutely not. <laughs> he also, if he was going to invest in something like a crypto, he'd make the transaction and move on. He, it sounds like, I don't know what his investments were, but I, the, I'd imagine in today's world, he'd probably just be a, a buy, and, buy hold and hold investor. We're going to do this. And you know what? It's, uh, I, this, is in a re- this is for my retirement. So I guess I'll check back in 30 years. And then he, he even had an investment that he lost, 1,300 francs. That wasn't nothing at that time. What's incredible there he just, is it's, hey, whatever. Uh, we, we, you know, he just sold the stock at a loss. But hey, if you need money, you should ask him about it now because he just he's sold got his, li- He's got his liquid he's got money. Some money. And not like, oh, we just took this hit and we, we lost oh, yeah. all this money. He's not been so out. I don't know what we can do. Mm-hmm. It's, hey, we, you know, we've got this money, even though if you look at it, it was a loss. They just lost, I mean, 1400 And that was, you know, a while ago. So much more now. So, oh, yeah, we just lost this. But ask us for money. How many people today, oh, I mean, I, I'm even, I'm thinking about this for myself. The temptation for me would be to be completely bent out of shape, angry, irritated, and upset, and then hell-bent on finding some other investment where I could recoup my losses and then some, (laughs) and how that is a disordered place to go to when it comes to this type of thing because it's I want to be detached and trusting that God will provide for me, and it's not, I'm sure Louis took that money and Maybe he did give it to this, that, or another. Mm-hmm. And then he probably placed it in some other investment that maybe performed better for him. But there was never this sense of completely bent out of shape, um, freaking out, and loss of peace. And I just think about that today and how often people are losing their peace over mm. a, a dip in the market. Ah! <laughs> The world is ending. Um, and literally, they they live and die by how the market is performing and how this, that, or the other investment is doing. Or they wake up in the morning and they check their investments every single day and it almost determines their mood for the day. Mm. Um, and how that is not where you should be. Again, investing, for sure. We teach that. Mm-hmm. We teach it. But... Devote to it only the care which is strictly necessary. So how that could look is, you know, doing the due diligence before you're going to go ahead and invest. And then once you've made the investment, an appropriate amount of time Mm -hmm. until you check back with it. Checking every single day is obsession and is not necessary. And it will just be harder to even understand what's going on with it over time. Because you're you're, going to have... You know, even in in three months, you're gonna have ninety data points. You're gonna keep that track. You're gonna keep track of that in your head, how that related to the one before it, and the one before, it and the eighty-seven before that, to really understand too, where yeah. the investment went. No, you want to check in 
you know, regularly, but like probably quarterly. Yeah, and then you know, and oh, annu- or annually. Okay, I remember, I think the last time I looked at this, it was like this. Oh, okay, so it's gone up over time, and then you're not like, oh, is it down? Is it up? It's it's not even useful. Mm-hmm. Now this is different from maybe running a business. You have to in you the early stages of a business, business, you have to be more hands on. <laughs> but I'm talking about investments, purely investments. Mm-hmm. Um, so preventing yourself from kind of getting sucked into the tornado and the whirlwind that could literally take up ninety percent of your mental space in any given day. This what was and then, the phrase again about what the amount of mental energy he expended on this? Just the care that was strictly necessary. I think that sounds like a good way to go about almost anything. Mm-hmm. How much attention is strictly necessary for anything? And yeah. for that that's going to help you put your your priorities straight, yeah. right? The raising our children what is strictly necessary for that is much more time than is strictly necessary for doing crossword puzzles or watching a movie. Or scrolling TikTok. What or is thinking, strictly necessary? Thinking about uh, what new health trend we should do in our lives. Yeah. Which I feel, you know, I've had times when, yeah, it's easy to slip deep into that well of the wellness industry. Mm-hmm. And then panic about all the things I'm screwing up and doing wrong, only for it all to change one year later and <laughs> there to be new recommendations on what actually helps your thyroid. <laughs> and I think it all goes back to this holy disinterestedness, mm-hmm. holy disinterest of it's going to be what it's going to be. I just need to keep my mind on the most important thing. And the way that I get there. The way that it looks, in the you know, in the most positive and holy way possible, doesn't really matter. And so I'm not going to get bent out of shape trying to make it a certain thing, or that it's not this, or that I got that. It just is what it is, and I'm going to be happy that that's where we got. In some way, I mean, I think, you know, I and this is just purely a a, a kind of an in some ways automatic so not very there's not a lot of virtue there i don't think grace that i've been given is just a a a love for surprises i love surprise if anything could be a surprise it's immediately 20 percent better at least and i hate what i'm eating for dinner where we're going on a trip anything let's make it a surprise and if i think about it now it's like oh it's all just personality. It's not like I'm some saint. But she's like, doesn't really matter. <laughs> it doesn't matter where we're going, but we're going somewhere. That's exciting. Anticipating excitement. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so it, it's just, it's just, what's the important thing? And let me keep my eye on that. And that is what you're going to get if you do this. And we really think you should. This meditation on what if I lost it all? If you woke up. And there was some, I don't know, bank error or hack or whatever it is. And your bank account is down to zero. And the house burns down or there's a moving truck showing up. And they've got somehow the deed to your house in their hand. I mean, it's Job, right? It's like messenger after messenger comes in and says, oh, hey, uh, all you know, all your flocks uh, ran away and died. Oh, hey, mm-hmm. your kid's dead. Oh, hey, your other ones are dead. Oh, hey. It's like, ah! 
And then even, even, even his health goes at the yeah, end. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but he never curses God. Because he knows the important thing. And I think, I mean, that is, uh, he, that's something to sit with. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. He's upset. It wouldn't be. <laughs> A good old yelling at God, but mm-hmm. never cursing him. And always trusting that underneath it, there's a plan mm-hmm. or, you know, allowing it for some sort of a purpose. Yeah. All right. Something else that I want to lean into here while we're still chatting about this is the situation with the lawyer. Interesting. Uh, so the lawyer is rapping at the door. Mm-hmm. You know, we got to go. We got to go. go. The train's leaving. We got to go. But And I don't know what happened that morning, but he had some kind of a sprain. Like he couldn't get down the stairs or something? I don't know. He, I don't know. Maybe he broke his ankle or sprained a hip. I don't I don't know. Um, but I think that for many of us, the temptation is that we would have, we would just bull forward and just, or try to move it uh, or push ourselves to the limit and just make it happen, Mm. get there. You know, this is an important business investment. This is a big transaction. But instead, he decided to see it through the the lens of divine providence and to say, huh, an obstacle got thrown in between me and this thing. I'm just going to let it be a sign to me that I'm not supposed to move forward with it whatsoever. And then the entire enterprise <laughs> collapsed months later. Yeah, man. And what I love about that is that he left room for God to intervene. Mm. And then instead of blowing past it, he paused with it and gave space for that and allowed God to show up and to kind of sabotage the thing and to let it crumble and fall apart. And then he could and then he moved forward and ultimately he got protected in that. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think that just that idea of leaving room for providence, even though other people might be pressuring you or saying do this, that, or another, but you've left room for providence and providence showed up mm-hmm. and threw a wrench. And I would say it doesn't always look the way you might think. Right. He got it, a sprain. Yeah. He got a sprain <laughs> and even it could have worked out. He had the sprain. He didn't go. The investment didn't happen. And the, you know, whatever it was, was wildly successful. It's not always going to be, That's you know, true. as like, oh, yeah, that was, whoo, that's that one. It could still, I mean, there could still Maybe he been, was never meant to be on the other side of a, of that successful. Yeah, that could have been something that would have been bad. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and so there God are. Is always protecting us. Yeah, there's always reasons. There's always, there's, and it doesn't always look the way we might mm-hmm. run things. And that's probably for the best. If I was in charge and I uh, made all the decisions in my life and the way things would work out, who knows where I'd be. If if we did that, though, how many um, unexpected blessings that mm. end up coming would just never come? Yeah. You know, it's God truly does have our best interest in mind. And it's not just some Pollyanna, oh, there's a reason for everything and No. And oh well it's it God made it happen and he wants it. He just makes sure we're taken care of. Sometimes that's going to be yeah, intervening in a way that opens the possibility for us to listen and to respond and for something not to happen. Mm-hmm. It can go the other way. Something happens and we can respond and now this other thing can happen. 
And he allows us to find the good in, I'd say, pretty much anything that happens to us. Even when he is, even when he is allowing pain or tragedy or suffering in our life, at the end of the day, he, because of redemptive grace and mercy, he will make it all work for good. That is the underlying belief that we have as Catholics, Mm -hmm. is that he will redeem all things, even if it never happens this side of heaven. We have the confidence and the hope that every single thing, every tear we cry, every pain we experience, every heartbreak will be redeemed eventually. And that is such a hope. Yeah. There's no one perfect path through our life that we are supposed to follow. And if we get one step off, everything's ruined. It's okay. You know, if we, we thought if that was the way, well, then we got to make, I'm going to make sure I got to eat the absolute right thing for breakfast every day. I got to put on the right clothes. I got to go to the right places to have the right conversations, invest in the right things, make, have the right job. All, that's not the way it is. It's not like, you know, there's this one perfect path for your life and God is going to be doing everything he can to keep you on it or get you back on it. It's there's the path towards him and it's going to wind and it's going to look a little wonky sometimes. And with our finances, it could be all over the place. You know, they're going to go up and down. And as long as it's leading us towards him, that's the important thing. Mm hmm. So even if, you know, it's like, I really thought that was going to be it. I thought that was the plan. Well, no, it turned out, turned out that's not the way. And even if we miss out on something, that's okay. Because we can still get back. We, we, you can't just screw it up forever. Yeah, and I think that it takes, you know, this is another book and another conversation, but Abandonment to Divine Providence. There's so many books on that topic, and mm-hmm. they're so fruitful and so good. And so challenging. But I think that that is the work of the saints. What makes a saint is the ability to literally surrender to divine providence or your circumstances the way they present themselves in the present moment, whether you like them or not. Mm -hmm. And most often, let's call a spade a spade. We don't like them. (laughs) (laughs) I don't like that it's cold outside. I don't like that my kid is throwing a fit. I don't like that my husband's being, you know, cranky right now. Mm. I don't like that I don't feel that I don't have energy or that prayer feels dry. I don't like any of this. But I'm going to submit, surrender, and invite God into this present moment. And I trust that he's going to provide everything that I need, even if it doesn't look the way I think it should. Mm. That is really hard stuff. But he's a saint for a reason. He practiced this. And I say the word practice because this is something any of us can practice. Mm-hmm. It's really hard, but it's worth practicing. And every time you practice the skill, you get better and better, and it becomes easier. And that's ultimately what we call virtue, right? The, ha- the habitual disposition to do the good, to do the right thing. Mm-hmm. And virtue starts to become easier the more you put it to work, the more you put it to practice. And then when it comes to money... You know, you can see how he had built these virtues up as time went on, and he was just applying it to finances. He was applying it there. Yep. All right. Any other thing that we want to talk about? I think, I don't know if you had, but I, I've got one more. Okay. The life of our parents was simple, economical, without avarice and hardworking, in order to supply the demands of their many children. 
what sacrifices they imposed on themselves for this end to give them that Christian education. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I guess what I want to say there is I I think of a lot of Catholic families when I hear this. Mm. Um, And I think there's a lot of times um, we'll run into Catholic families who feel bad for being economical or living simply um, because they feel like they haven't made it, they haven't arrived, they mm. see this family on Instagram or that family and you know their life looks so much more luxurious and interesting. Um, and I'm not saying that, who knows how this looked in their life. They were mm-hmm. a family who had money. But just because they had money, you can tell that they did not spoil their kids Mm -hmm. or choose luxurious things as their common it wasn't their daily decision to live in luxury yeah that that probably was a special thing Mm -hmm. and that at the end of the day they chose even though they had the means to live a higher more luxurious more fancy more instagram worthy lifestyle they chose simple Mm -hmm. they chose economical because it communicated something to themselves and something to their children. Yeah, and it says in here, you know, they, they worked hard, they made this money, they ran these businesses without avarice, without greed, without, oh, we got to do this and get the money. No, they did all of this. They worked hard because they wanted to support their family. Yeah. That was the reason behind it. And that allows them to enter into it peacefully and in a right, right, you know, attitude and state of mind and all that, knowing... What's the end goal here? The end goal here is to provide for my family. I don't need to squeeze out every penny out of every customer, uh, but we're gonna we're gonna run this business well, right? I mean, mm-hmm. it says he was. We're gonna he, turn you know, profit. We're not gonna. He wasn't. You know, he was made sure the work got done and and didn't want you know just things to be forgotten, and that's because he wants to run it well so that he can provide for his customers, for his employees, for his family. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I just I love that. Um, choosing a lifestyle that still keeps you focused on the end goal. And I think that that could look different for all of us. It really, truly could. Mm-hmm. Um, but even if you were extremely wealthy, choosing to live more simply than your means would allow, I think still communicates something to yourself that you're not home yet, mm-hmm. that home is yet to come. And then I'm not getting too comfortable down here. Uh, St. Jose Maria Escriva says to treat the flesh like you would treat an enemy trespassing across enemy lines. Hmm. <laughs> not that we want to, you know, we don't hate ourselves, but we have to realize that um, just because of concupiscence and the, the result of the fall, our, our flesh, our sensual desires are always trying to, woohoo, can I get in the front seat? Can mm-hmm. I drive this ship? Ooh, <laughs> luxury or like good tasting food or, you know. It's okay to have some of that, but that we're always saying, all right, little senses, you're going to hang out over here. Actually, you're not even in the passenger. You're in the back. Yeah. <laughs> and to make sure that they know where they belong. Um we have to fight for that, this side of heaven, to yeah. make sure we don't get lulled into apathy and um, tepidity. That's a, that's a word for you. Mm. But we don't want to become a tepid soul who's fruitless because we've just been 
lulled to sleep this side of heaven, which is so easy to do in our world today. So make sure that you reflect on uh, losing everything. I've I've got one more thing. Okay. (laughs) I know you want to end it. I got one more. One more. Okay. Um, Thank you for indulging me here. The last thing that I'd like to chat about is that um, after his wife's death, this line, he did not lead an idle life. Quite the contrary. He divided his time between intellectual work, household occupations, administration of his property, devotional exercises, and our education. Um, And I guess what I'd like to say there is that he got his money working for him Mm. in such a way that he was able to answer the highest call at the end there. Hmm. And that it's not wrong to take care of your finances. It's not wrong to grow your wealth as long as it always serves the right end. Mm -hmm. And that it's a means to an end. It's never an end in itself, which I would say so much of our society has become built around money being the end, not the means. Mm. And so I just, I love this. He didn't feel pressure to go get another job, um, which represents a significant amount of wealth accumulated. Because today, you know, we rely on things like life insurance. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know, if I died or you died, you would not have to work again. I would not have to work again unless we chose to, mm-hmm. um, as, uh, at least when our kids are little. Yeah. You know, we've designed it in such a way that you could focus on that. Um They didn't have life insurance back then. So that was something that he had built. Him and his wife had built Mm -hmm. that together. Um, And I'm so thankful that they did because they raised amazing girls. And all of his kids were still at home when when Zaylee died. She was only in her early 40s. -hmm. Therese was just a very little girl. Um, And so because he'd gotten his money in order and he was not tied up chasing it and speculating and all the things that he knows he could have gone into. He kept it in its right spot. He literally raised a saint, St. Therese. Mm-hmm. How many of the others might have been saints too? We don't know. Yeah, they might be saints. Hopefully they are. I mean, if they're in heaven, they are. Exactly. You don't have to be canonized to be a saint. Mm-hmm. Um, but I just, I love that, that his money served the ultimate purpose. Yeah, it worked for him. He wasn't, you know, yeah, working for it, worried about it. It just allowed him to enter into the most important uh, role that he had mm-hmm. of, of being a father, raising his kids. And, I mean... Father, husband, businessman. Taking care of things, mm-hmm. you know, devotions, all that. Taking care of his own soul so he that he could take care of his family. That maximum fruitfulness. He got to go. live that. Mm-hmm. All right, you can wind us up now. All right, now. (laughs) Wind us down. So make sure that you take some time to think about this, uh, to think about, wow, what if I lost everything? Where am I being called maybe to adjust things for maximum fruitfulness? You know, how do I need to adjust the fertilizer and the water and the the shade? And what do I need to maybe prune away so that through me, you know, more fruit may, may, through, through me, the Lord may grow more fruit uh, in in my life? How can we best serve those around us? If you'd like a copy of the book, uh, we'll put a link in the show notes so you can go check it out. It is a heck of a read. I, I love reading it. It's really incredible. So you can check that out. And uh, until next time, bye, bye for, for now. now. 
Thanks for joining us today. You can learn more about this show and the Wallowin program at wallowin.com. Music in this episode is from Dylan Gardner. Listen to his new album, Almost Real, on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you get your music. See you next week.